Hello, pet lovers. A warm tail wag welcome to all of our listeners, and thank you for tuning into our podcast, Did Fido Poop Today? My name is Jennifer Maroney, and I am the owner of Critter Sitters and More, and this podcast is all about the health and care of our pet family. February is Responsible Pet Parent Month, and in my experience, the most responsible pet parents are those who really know their pets and who work as a team with their veterinarians to sooner spot problems. The sooner that you can determine that something is not quite right, the better your pet's chances are for living a longer, healthier, and happier life with you. Today, I'm going to explore with you and share my top tips that all pet parents need to know. By following these steps, you may be able to prevent the need for first aid. Tip number one is to do a weekly head to tail checkup. This helps you get to know what is normal for your pet so you can more quickly determine when something is not quite right. I'm going to load a document into this program for you that you can download to see what it is that you would like that or what it is you should be doing on a weekly basis. But it's really about exploring everything from their their temperature, their respiration, their pulse. And yes, it sounds pretty in depth, but it can be a fun activity for both you and your pet. And again, it's going to get you very much in tune to the little things that make your pet special and unique. Tip number two, spay and neuter your pet and then follow up with an annual vet exam. Typically, spaying and neutering happens about the six-month age mark, and that is because about that point, dogs and cats are able to reproduce. Crazy to think of it, isn't it? But spaying and neutering isn't the end. What you want to do is continue with annual vet exams to look even deeper at what is going on with your pet as they age. By partnering with your vet, you will be able to quickly identify if something has changed in their uh, heart, liver, and lungs because they are going to be able to do blood workups. I recommend doing your head-to-tail checks at the six-month period between vet visits and connecting with your vet during the vet visit to share what they are seeing and what you are seeing because they're also going to be doing those head-to-tail checks on your pet. Tip number three, properly identify your pets with both uh, the collars and tags as well as microchips. And I really want you to consider doing both of these things. But not only is having the tags of microchips important, it's going to be important to make sure that all of the information on it is still correct. Tags are fantastic in the event that you are out and your dog 
or cat, if you'd like to take your cat on walks, happens to squirm out of their harness and get loose. I like microchips for when they are around the home. And the reason why I prefer uh, not having their tags on them when they are in the house is because there are far too many times that I have either seen or heard stories of tags getting caught and the uh, pets accidentally choking themselves. I even had a friend of mine whose dogs were wrestling one time and the dog's mouth got caught up under the other pup's collar. And they were both at that point uh, in the process of hurting themselves. Because of that, I say definitely microchip your pets uh, and you know, leave their collars off when they're around the house, but put them on when you leave the home, when you're intentionally leaving the home. That way, if for some reason they get lost uh, and they get separated from you, somebody who finds your pet has an easy way to identify who the pet belongs to without having to take them to the vet for the microchip scanning. Microchips, again, are a great backup in the event that your pet gets out and doesn't have a collar on or loses its collar in the process. But in both cases, you want to make sure that the identification is always up to date. When you go do your annual exam with your vet, you are going to want to ask them to do a quick scan of your pet to make sure to identify the microchip to pull up the information and to make sure that it is still accurate. Tip number four, socialize, obedience train, and exercise your pet. <laughs> uh, there was a commercial a few years ago uh, that said a, what was it? Uh, a happy pet, no, a well-exercised pet is a well-behaved pet. And that really is true. So daily exercise is going to kind of back down those mischievous tendencies. A pet who is friendly and has been real socialized is less likely to have misunderstandings with other pets, get in fights with foreign dogs, uh, knock over your best friend or, uh, you know, grandma, and is going to become a very happy and content part of your family. When you obedience train your dog or cat, you can keep them from dashing out the door and getting lost or even hit by a car. And if you can teach them the leave it command, you can stop them as they are on the way to eating poison. So tip number four, and that's a lot of little pieces, but socialize, obedience train, and exercise your pet. And remember, all of these things have to be done on a daily basis. Tip number five, feed high quality, age appropriate food. One of my mentors says that the best diet for any pet is the diet that the pet does best on. So do keep in mind that just because you have two dogs, even from the same litter, they may have two different nutritional needs. Once again, you're going to want to work with your vet or a nutritionist, a pet nutritionist, to determine what are the best foods for your pet that they are going to do well on. 
If you are purchasing pet uh, pet food uh, from a grocery store or a pet store, I encourage you to read the labels carefully and look for a high quality protein listed in the first ingredient. And you want to know exactly what the protein is. If you say poultry, if the bag says poultry, it could be chicken, um, it could be duck, it could be goose, it could be a combination. And if your pet has an allergy to one, it may end up actually eating something that it's not going to do its best on. So again, when you are looking at the labels, you want to know exactly what the protein is in it. Avoid food items that you can't pronounce and recognize that wheat, coin, and soy are just fillers and that you should look for grains in the food that are just uh, better for them to process and digest, such as brown rice, oatmeal, lentil, lentils, and quinoa. Tip number six, keep the body and mind well stimulated, including quality time spent with you. And what you want to do is just tune in and be in the moment with your pets. Enjoy the walk with them. Enjoy an amazing cuddle session with them. Have fun doing yoga with them. But the point of it is they are your pets, they are your family, and that you should spend time with them every day that brings you both joy. Our final tip today is get to know life-saving skills of pet first aid and CPCR and to make sure that you have a well-equipped and up-to-date pet first aid kit handy. I have, as a professional pet sitter, been certified in pet first aid and CPR on several different occasions. And that's because I just maintain my certifications to make sure I'm up to date on my skills. Uh, I have peace of mind. Uh, my pet clients have peace of mind. But I really, truly believe that every pet parent, if they know the life-saving skills of pet first aid and CPCR, uh, that they will be able to know how to handle any emergency situation that comes uh, to you know to comes to happen. Uh, one of the things that I have been drilled into me by my first aid instructors is nine out of ten pets will need first aid in their lifetime. And then if you can provide first aid uh, prior to getting them to the hospital then they have a better chance of survival or less, you know, or you can ease their pain and you can cut down on the, on the extent of their injuries. Uh, I do want to uh, share with you that uh, I, I do offer pet first aid and CPCR classes. And I say CPCR because it's, it's cardiopulmonary cerebral respiration, resuscitation, whoops, <laughs> I'm thinking respiration, but resuscitation. And, uh, you know, these just important that, you know, we know how to do these things and to be the best pet parent that we can be. If 
learning pet first aid is something that's of interest to you, I would love for you to reach out to me and uh, inquire about the classes that we have going on and learn about how you can participate in one of these future programs. Thank you for listening in today. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Want more great tips on pet care and other pet resources? Then head on over to our website, www.crittersittersandmore.com. And be sure to check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash crittersittersandmore.com. VA Peninsula.